Women's Eyes Welcome to episode eight of season two from the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, a podcast series that's shining a spotlight on women in intellectual property. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I am the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitum IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. We are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of the U.K. in London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix Magazine. The 2022 edition of the Women's IP World Annual can be found digitally at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. And you can listen to the annual as well on your favorite podcast app. Now that many IP conferences are back in person, yay, keep an eye out for the hard copies as well. We have with us today a repeat customer, Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst, hello, at Patent Seekers based out of the UK. And you're in Wales, right? Yeah, that's correct, Wales. So it's great to talk to you again. We spoke last year about your article, Championing Gender Diversity for Innovation, and we have a really interesting topic for uh, this episode to discuss with you of your most recent article. But before we get into that, since it has been a little bit of time, can you refresh us a little bit on your background? Yes. Yeah, so um, my background before um, intellectual property was banking. I was in banking and finance and I was there for 10 plus years. Um, and then I just had a change. I went to university, got a physics degree. And then basically found myself in the, the IP field. Uh, so I'm currently now um, a patent analyst, a senior patent analyst with a company called Patent Seekers. Um, and they're based in South Wales in Newport. Uh, and we basically conduct IP searches for, for various sort of clients, basically covering a range and breadth of, <laughs> of topics. Uh, whereas I tend to specialize in physics, engineering, mechanical uh, sort of patents. Normally, I do some normal general searching as well. But basically, if there's any sort of patent queries or patent searches with a company that helps clients do that. And you have a degree in physics, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, I do recall a career shift. And now that you're in IP, you're in IP 100% all the way in. And you've been with Patent Seekers for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, just over five years now I've been with them. Uh, so going into the sixth year soon. Uh, yeah, and it's been, i got to be honest, it's been a really good change. I obviously, I very much enjoyed banking and finance, which is why I found myself there for over a decade. Uh, but I wanted to change. I wanted something just that a little bit more challenging and physics seemed to be the course <laughs> that was going to do that. Yeah, I would say so. Quite a, quite a different um, shift, I would say, you know, I don't think that the finance necessarily lends itself to physics, right? I mean, you just decided, well, I'm going to do something completely different. 
exactly the general sort of i mean there's overlaps in terms of like analytics and and how obviously we process numbers and finance like when you think of finance there's a lot of problem solving and that does relate into the ip world but obviously i went out and i learned the the physics knowledge then you know the engineering knowledge that i needed to come into an intellectual property sector basically so there's a very small overlap but yet very different sectors to work in as well well, let's get sciency then. Okay, let's do that. Your article is entitled, Does Climate Change and Its Effects Differentiate Between Gender? And it's on uh, page 83 for those that want to check it out, um, either in the electronic or the hard copy. First, let's make sure that we all understand what climate change is. So can you ex- tell us like, from your research, what are we talking about? Yeah, so, well, in the very sort of broader sense, which is probably the sense that most people know, uh, climate change is to do with the, the heating up of the planet, essentially, which, you know, generally speaking, comes from our emissions, uh, our CO2 emissions that we keep pumping into the atmosphere. And obviously, it's causing the Earth to gradually warm up. And obviously, the worry now is that it's got to a point where maybe we can't reverse the effects anymore. So we need to start looking how we limit those effects. Um, obviously that's a very broad <laughs> scope of climate change uh, but we see it you know we see it daily we see the um, the ice melting you know at the poles of the earth uh, we're seeing you know the difference already that we're having and like I know in the UK and I know it's happening all across the globe the the weather patterns they're so different like we're having heat waves over here that feel unbearable sometimes <laughs> in the summer and it's not something that we're used to um, and, you know, you're seeing there's flooding uh, in places. There's obviously wildfires going on across the world. There's water shortages. So climate change, when you think about it, is very broad in the sense of, yeah, the planet's heating up. But the effects that it's having all across the globe are just, you, you can't list them. There's so many effects going on. And we see, we see it. We feel it. We see, yeah, I, you know, I live in Chicago, mm-hmm. which is even though we have four seasons, we are known for our cold weather. Yes. And we have cold weather longer than any of our other seasons that do appear. And just, I want to say it was, um, you know, just back in November, which is still cold already here. Mm -hmm. We had some days where the weather got quite warm, you know, for Chicago in November, that is, that's very strange. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were loving it, okay? But it's coming, right? It's coming potentially from negative, uh, you know, like for negative reasons. Exactly. And and that's what we're finding as well. We're having the same situation here. Our winters are a lot milder than they used to be. And whilst you might not complain, uh, it, it's a sign, you know, it's a sign that something's different going on <laughs> with, with the earth, you know? There is something very different to our four seasons now than there was... And- 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, we had a particularly cold week, just the last week gone, actually, uh, unusually cold. Uh, and even that shows the changes of the the climate effect that's going on at the moment. You know, it's, it's like these extreme weather conditions, even though we're noticing warmer temperatures, you know, day in, day out, those, those extremes, like you said, the wildfires, the flooding, the very cold periods, the excessively hot heat wave periods where it's not even just a heat wave it's it's like a heat trap I suppose and that's not something I used to see personally 20 years ago um 
and yeah it's one of those things that it's just happening isn't it and we really need someone to do something you know because those wildfires like you said were out of control weren't they for such a long period mm-hmm. it's true and you know Chicago has the reputation if you don't like the weather wait 15 minutes so we've for a long time we've had you know so maybe we've had our own global <laughs> warming pocket just with in the the boundaries of of Chicagoland um it was you know it's it's the reputation but now you're seeing that more and more you know in other places where that was not the case um, and so, you know, and I, and I wonder because with COVID and lockdowns and people traveling less, there'd be less, less of everything, you know, commercialism in a, in a way, right. Um, due to, you know, just the stop, just the mere stoppage of so much that there would be, um, potentially a positive effect when it came to global warming. Um, I mean, what, what are you, you know, what have you seen in the, on that subject? In, in sort of the positives of it, um, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because people will take positives from it. And I suppose there can be positives from what's going on. And, and at the end of the day, we're in an age at the moment still, and we kind of forget that. Um, and the earth heating up is always going to be something that happens. Uh, but we're just, we're accelerating it, aren't we? And I think, I mean... There are, you know, for me, for example, in South Wales, there is positives, you know, it's not snow all the time in winter now, it, it's it's a lot of rain. Um, and like you said, there are people who are thinking maybe we won't fly abroad as often, uh, which does have positives in terms of, you know, if somebody's not flying abroad for holidays because they're thinking of, you know, reducing their emissions, then they're putting uh, funding back into the country that they live in, you know, they're putting the tourist sort of aspect of, of local holiday destinations in the country that you live in. And, and there are those sort of positives that can obviously be taken from it. But I do think overall, it is something that we need to be concerned about, the way the climate is just accelerating, you know, and it just doesn't seem like enough is really being done at the moment. I think people now are kind of gangbusters again about travel after being kind of locked down for, you know, two to three years. Uh, so you know, at least for the people I know in the IP community, right, things are, you know, back in person. I've seen, you know, on social media, people are traveling all over, like all over. They're not staying at home. Whereas I thought like in the beginning when things were just opening up, people were staying more local, um, but still trying to get out there, like easing in. And I had just wondered if, you know, from the first two years that were more extreme lockdown where there just weren't flights, you know, very few, you know, very few flights um, and travel was so greatly reduced. I mean, we could barely leave, you know, our homes, <laughs> some of us, right? I mean, depending on where you live. And if that actually had a positive impact of slowing down global warming. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose yes and no, because I mean, when you think about global warming, I mean, obviously it's the emissions from travel that does play a mm-hmm. role. But it is also a small percentage. And one of the largest contributions to global warming is the agriculture sector. Uh, And I mean, that continues throughout, obviously, the pandemic. But we did see positives through the pandemic. So I don't know if you know it, but like on our news reporting over here in the UK, we saw that when we were home, we were seeing more wildlife about. And in a way, we were seeing because we were home. But in another way, we were seeing more wildlife because the traffic wasn't there. There weren't the cars on the roads. There weren't the 
people in the streets because we were locked down. And we were also seeing images of cities which might typically look quite smog, you know, a lot of smog, a lot of smoke. We were seeing those, the air quality clear up during the lockdowns. And that was a positive. And when I saw things like that, like the wildlife and the clearer air in some of the cities, I did wonder, you know, I mean, it obviously must be a positive for the environment at that point. Uh, but it didn't really seem to, you know, <laughs> it didn't, oh, I can't explain this, it didn't make people think, right, let's stop the traveling. Like you said, now it's, it's everyone's back to normal, aren't they? Uh, or even like overly traveling. Like <laughs> now that they can get travel, it's like they're booking all signed, you know, all kinds of exotic travel. Like, you know, they're like, I'm not wasting any time. So it's, it, you know, it's kind of like that over, like that overcorrection, but to the other extreme, right? Um, yeah, so I definitely want to get into the gender aspect. So let's just take a quick break and we'll continue our discussion as soon as we are back. Have you started your marketing campaign plans for 2023? Are you interested in highlighting your services to the global IP community? Have you ever thought about publishing thought leadership content to build confidence with your industry peers? Why not consider the Global IP Matrix magazine in your 2023 marketing expansion plans? Our print, digital and non-intrusive audio formatted magazine is published only three times per year to give you, our client, the best possible exposure at a minimum of eight global intellectual property conferences and event seminars per issue. We publish 3,000 copies per issue and have built solid relationships with the likes of Inter, Ector, Marks and AIPPI, plus many more important IP event organizations internationally, to give our clients the best possible exposure in the correct physical IP social environments. We market our publications like no other industry magazine. We are the only IP magazine on the market that is published in a non-intrusive audio format, so you can listen whilst you work on your favorite mobile app. So, benefit from international exposure at IP events worldwide, continuous marketing of your services throughout the year, and working side by side with a passionate team that will work hard to shine the spotlight on your business and services like no other in the global IP community. The clients that are working with us now are the clients that have stuck with us since our launch back in 2018. Contact us today for an informal chat about your IP law firm or IP business, and let's discuss how we can work together. Call plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email info at gipmatrix.com www.gipmatrix.com the Global IP Matrix Magazine, connecting you with the global IP community. Welcome back. Uh, so let's let's talk exactly how. So how does the impact of climate change differ between men and women? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, initially, when you think about climate change, you wouldn't particularly think, oh, maybe it differentiates between different genders or or whatever gender you identify as. You you might be non-binary, you know, but it, we would never think it would differentiate, I suppose, when you first think about it. Uh, and it was the Paris Agreement, the COP to some extent we're seeing, they, they were the ones who sort of first really noted down that we needed to focus addressing climate change considerations on areas such as human rights, um, Indigenous people, people with disabilities, people in vulnerable situations. 
And they also said that we needed to have this consideration and promotion of gender equality, empowerment and of women, essentially, um, to get this intergenerational um, equality. And I think that's where we started really thinking, right, so how is it, how is it different, you know, between genders or, or however you actually wish to, to identify? Um, and basically, when you start breaking it down, it's, you can't necessarily say it's a case of, right, women, women generally will suffer more than males. I mean, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is when we think about climate change and we're thinking about the people in the world who are most resilient on natural resources for their livelihoods, um, and they're in, also in countries that has the least capacity to respond to natural hazards, then in those situations, we're obviously going to see climate change treat those populations, those people, those areas in the world suffer greatly. When you break that down even further, you are going to see that there is a differentiation between gender um, and poverty plays quite a part in that. So when you think about countries, for example, that may not have the same, same human rights as in the United Kingdom, as in you know the United States of America, uh, those women, for example, they may not have access to financing. Um, they may not have a job altogether and they may be so reliant on the the earth in terms of farming and producing and growing crops that climate change could see those those women in the world greatly suffer so yeah i and and it is it is um a scary phenomenon actually to to read that there are more women impoverished I mean, you don't want to see anyone impoverished, but when you're looking between the genders, that it's a much greater percentage of women impoverished around the world, even in areas, you know, even in areas where you may not expect it. Um, and how how poverty plays a role in in climate change? Of course, and and it's something like you so, see, like I said, you don't initially think of the first thing when you think of climate change, but it does happen. And like you said, women are in poverty all across the world, even in countries like the UK and the United States. And there's various reasons for that. Um, I watched a documentary quite recently and they were actually discussing how um, when we think about genders and we think about things like the gender pay gap, for example, in, in sort of uh, the Western world, um, women are sometimes still viewed as primary caregivers to their children. Uh, and, and once again, this isn't a stereotype. There are women out there with careers and, and there are women who stay home. When there is this sort of glass ceiling still out there and there is this view on women as being, you know, the primary caregivers to their children, you are unfortunately at that financial disadvantage from the start. Does that make sense? And then when you put that into an area of the world where human rights are not the same as ours or... Or, you know, there's generally a much a country that is far more in poverty than that gap between women in different parts of the world greatly differs. And one of the things that we see that difference in that that greater gap is in something like climate change, where for, you know, if a woman is working in the UK or the United States and they're bringing home a salary that they're living on, um, they might not feel it. But when you've got somebody in in a country that is very resilient on on the way they work their land to to make ends meet, you take that land away from them through increased temperatures or 
you know, droughts, they, they don't have the water on the land to grow the crops. Um, even flooding, for example, they lose their livelihood straight away. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, we were just talking about COVID moments ago. And, um, you know, I think that highly relates to the natural, I guess, assumption. Um, it's just kind of the, the reality that especially women who who have kids, right? They, it's like people automatically look to the mom and be like, okay, well, you know, you need to take care of your kids. You know, maybe they're being homeschooled now, um, like e-learning. Um, and I went, you know, like I went through that running my law firm and we were, my, my firm was already hybrid. We, we were already set up you know, in, in, you know, what people call, you know, hybrid, you know, we were already set up that way before we were calling it before it really had a name, but yet working on work, right. While you've got, in my case, you know, I had four kids e-learning. Um, and that was like, how does one do that? So there was a lot of pressure, I think on women to be like handling that like handle that. And so what is sacrificed then is their career, right? Um, I think more often it, it goes that direction. Um, you know, if you're a mom, you know, it's really was difficult time. Exactly. And more often, I mean, it's, it's not always the case. There are fathers that are very active and, you know, they are the primary caregivers. So I, I don't always like to stereotype, but like you said, the general gist of it is that's exactly what happens, isn't it? That's how it's viewed. Uh, and that's exactly what tends to happen. Um, and and it's interesting when, you know, we know this happens in the workplace uh, in certain places across the world. Uh, we know this happens in terms of human rights across the world. Uh, we know it happens through something like you said, a pandemic, COVID, where we saw the, the differentiation between genders uh, doing that in terms of things like childcare and also trying to work from home. Uh, and yeah, we see it with climate change as well. It just seems to be one of those things when we think about gender diversity. I mean, we've come, when we talk about Western civilization like UK, United States, we have come very far uh, forward. We're still not there yet, but we've definitely come far in trying to get that equality. We're still not, in my opinion, 100% equal yet. Um, and I think you see that through things like, like you said, the pandemic. Uh, and that's when you really see it. But when you actually think about it in terms of something like climate change, Really, why should it be any different? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why would climate change not in everything else? Does? Well, so that leads me to ask you: How do we overcome the disadvantaged climate change that you know that we that we have on you know for women? How do we overcome that disadvantage? I think really there's going to be a range of different ways that we can go to to try and battle that to bring you know that inequality at least reduce it, if not completely eradicate it. When we talk about things like the Paris Agreement and what they're doing at the COP26, all those summits that they have every few years, um, they do have means in place where they do regular reports and they're trying to see how all the member countries are part of this you know, climate change action uh, group that they have now at the moment. Um, they are trying to make sure that the countries are putting things in place so that this inequality and this differentiation isn't, you know, not isn't going to happen. Obviously, ideally, isn't going to happen. But they're asking countries to report on ways that they are focusing their climate change actions and promises 
to basically in, include that consideration of the, the gender differences and the effects on different genders uh, from climate change. Um, there are a few other sort of things that go on as well. So there's something called the Green Climate Fund, and they basically introduce financing essentially to mainstream the gender perspectives. Uh, and what you're finding is when basically somebody applies to the Green Climate Fund, they have to detail. So whatever sort of application they're looking to make in terms of getting funding or grant to help, you know, they a particular country, for example, uh, or organization actually tackle climate change. They have to detail in there how women will be incorporated into any sort of proposed climate action program. So I do think that we're seeing there's means being put in place to try to make people consider not just you know the broad sense of climate change and its effects, how it actually breaks down and affects different genders, different races, different you know different backgrounds, different religions, uh, and obviously this is focusing on women at the moment. Obviously, this article is focusing on gender, uh, but obviously overall the system is there to try and focus and break down on the individual races, backgrounds, religions, genders, and working with these groups to improve their local communities by adopting sustainable practices. Yeah, exactly. Those are your words, by the um, way. (laughs) So I'm glad you agree. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) We are seeing this. So we are seeing that women are actually trying to stand up. I mean, when you think of some of the activists, you think of someone like Greta Thunberg, she's speaking out not just for people of all different ages or different areas of the world. She is bringing up the gender topic as well. Um, And we are seeing more and more women starting to step up and be part of the the conversation at the moment about climate change. Uh, And once again, we're seeing men step up as well. Uh, But we are seeing women are actually starting to realise that if we want the change to happen, maybe we shouldn't rely on uh, a male bias in maybe organisations or places like the COP26, for example, maybe we should step up and do something. So women in Kenya, for example, um, and in India, they're actually working now to improve their local communities by, like you just mentioned, adopting sustainable practices. Especially in those areas where, you know, there's a, a lot of land for agriculture, you know, I mean, for those not to, to not be usable, right? Um, it serves n- nobody. It doesn't, it does, it does not serve anybody well to have those lands just dry up and not, not usable. Um, I mean, it, it threatens livelihoods, you know, it threatens right. the potential loss of life. And, and it sounds really silly to say, I mean, you might not think it based in the UK, for example, you might not think how the land is worked, you know, on the other side of the world affects us, but it really does. And you kind of notice that now, like in the UK, for example, and um, we just went through Brexit. Uh, but we're having, we're finding that we're not getting all the the foods delivered to the UK. And I think it's part of this big economic crisis going on. You know, we've got a lot of issues through Brexit and obviously there's the war going on. I mean, there's issues at the moment, isn't it? Like inflation's going through the roof. But one of the things that we're seeing is certain items are on the shelves. And then you find out they're not on the shelves because they're coming from, potentially third world countries or, or parts of Europe or parts of the world that 
we didn't even know our food was coming from. <laughs> when you do think of climate change, you start to realize like, oh, so we're not having this particular, you know, seed or bread anymore because that land's not workable anymore because of the floodings out there this year. So there is one of those things where, of course, it has a much more uh, devastating effect to the people who are trying to work that land and they just lost their livelihood for the year, potentially. But you, it knocks on all the way across the globe, is what I'm trying to say. And it sounds heartless to say, oh, you know, we don't get certain products on the shelves. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is it really is a knock-on effect for for everybody and you know not having a certain product on a shelf is in my opinion not anything to be concerned about but if this is what we're thinking of as the start of the effects of climate change that we're really noticing just makes you realize how much worse it's going to get where the last thing we're ever going to worry about is not having product on a shelf you know <laughs> if I'm no, but, I, but Claire I follow you completely like sometimes we don't realize you know, like the butterfly effect, that whole concept, right? Where something that happens all the way on the other side of the world does have an effect. And then those effects effects can um, grow. Okay. So it might start with you're noticing that your, you know, favorite something is not on the shelf, right? But that's just the beginning. So um, while, while we are kind of at, at time, you know, I just wanted to um, reinforce what you're saying. It's not it's not frivolous at all. It is that recognition then all over the world where it starts, but then we really need to uh, be cognizant of it and support um, efforts to reduce the negative effects of climate change. Exactly, exactly. Because it is, it's is a frivolous thing, you know, and I wouldn't want to come across as being like, oh, I'm concerned that this part of it. Not at all. I, I think everyone would understand. I mean, it's a great example, actually. You know, if you lose land somewhere that produces certain ingredients that are required for some product that you rely on, you know, you just take it for granted that it's going to be there and then it's not. It's really a wake up call, you know. To, yeah. So I do see it as a as a big as, as actually a big thing um, because of what it represents. Right. Exactly. And, and, and it's translatable, like there's this conversations now that there are going to be certain popular food products, for example, that we see that are, are naturally grown in the land that might completely disappear through climate change. And, and once again, it's frivolous to think like, oh, we might not have avocados or coffee in 50 years, you know, I mean, it's a silly thing to worry about. But actually what that represents is a massive increase in temperature. It represents land being unusable probably people losing a lot of people losing their lives potentially uh areas of the world that aren't even inhabited anymore um when we talk about things like floodings like there are some countries particularly some small islands across the world that are going to completely disappear over the next maybe 20 40 50 years and really it's this like you said the butterfly effect but it's the top end of that is devastating, you know. So it is very like, you know, silly to talk about a product disappearing. But also when you think about things like products disappearing, like fruit, veg, certain seeds or or, or that sort of product, you have to think there's a whole biodiversity element that's also disappearing. Like there's animals potentially disappearing, flora, fauna. Uh, it's just has this devastating effect no matter what scale of that butterfly effect you're on whether you're at the very top of it yeah I mean and ultimately you know and then people disappearing right so that's that 
is of grave concern. All of it, all of the things you mentioned. And I want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. I think you've given us a lot to think about. A very different topic than our usual. So I, not that we have a usual, but this is really, um, you know, the the whole, the environmental aspect we haven't really, we have not talked about yet on this podcast. So thanks for bringing it to light. And to our listeners, please like, follow, share with your friends and colleagues, and also feel free to send comments and questions. Claire, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IP in Chicago, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited.